Good morning. Um, it's brilliant what Aaron shared this morning about the, um, the rivers of life coming out from the throne room, because um, that's very much um, what I'm talking about today, is God's throne room and experiencing God's presence. So you may have noticed on the news sheet the title, if you like, of this talk is Experience His Presence, Release His Power. Um, I'd like to read to you from, there's going to be lots of Bible verses, so I'm going to try not to talk too fast for Coralie. Um, and most of them are from, um, if you don't recognize them, they're from the Amplified Version or the Passion Translation. And I'm going to start um, by reading from Acts chapter 4, verses 7 to 13. But first, I want to give you just a little bit of a background to this uh, passage. So, Peter and John, two of the apostles, had been arrested and hauled before the religious authorities because they'd been teaching the people about Jesus being resurrected from the dead. And also, they'd healed a crippled man in the temple gate. Acts chapter 4, verses 7 to 13 says, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I just want to repeat that last phrase. They took note that they had been with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if people could say that about us? I'd like to read an extract from a book called Immersed in His Glory by Michael Lombardo. <laughs> in it, <laughs> in it, he shares a picture, a vision that he has. He says, five years ago, I had a vision where I saw Jesus sitting on his throne far off in the distance. From his throne, an army of believers were marching together in unison, with their faces set like flint on the Lord's will and work. He then goes on to explain this vision. He says, the significance of this is twofold. First, the warriors of God were marching from his throne room. The throne room is a place of intimacy, where we have full access to commune with our Father God in person. This infers that the warriors are a presence-driven people, not a purpose-driven people. Purpose is wonderful, but our first priority in life is to know God intimately. Secondly, because they were coming from the throne room, there is a divine commissioning involved. Once you become intimately relational with the Lord, he begins to reveal to you the burdens of his heart. 
and to your true purpose in him. And when you become a lover of his presence, he becomes your source and sustaining power in all things. So I'd like to talk today in more detail about the throne room um, and what happens there, um, about God's presence and the effect of being in God's presence. So really I'm talking about the throne room and God's presence interchangeably. Hopefully, as we start to think about this, we'll start to really discover the mind-blowing privilege of simply being in the presence of God And this will increase our desire to spend time in his presence. Like King David, who said in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. So the throne room is a place of mercy, forgiveness, and acceptance. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need. Appropriate and well-timed help coming just when we need it. It's a place where we we can approach God with confidence because Jesus has given us unlimited access to the Father. The throne room is also a place of adoration and worship. In fact, I say it's probably primarily a place of adoration and worship. It's a place where we discover the awesomeness of our amazing servant king who sacrificed himself for us. The lamb who was slain so that we could indeed approach the throne with confidence. We can gain further insight into God's throne room through a passage in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 14, sorry, 11 to 14, it says, Then I looked, and I heard the voices of myriads of angels in circles around the throne, as well as the voices of the living creatures and the elders, Ten thousands upon ten thousands. And as I watched, all of them were singing in thunderous voices, worthy as Christ the Lamb who was slain, to receive great power and might, wealth and wisdom and honor, glory and praise. Then every living being joined the angelic choir, every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and everything in them were worshipping with one voice, saying, Praise, honour, glory and dominion be to God enthroned and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. <laughs> the throne room and God's presence is also a place of intimacy. It's a place where we experience how much he loves us and those around us. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness toward you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us, the brilliant, dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God. 
as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. We need to catch God's gaze and reflect his light to those around us, to experience his love and then give that love away. His throne room is a place of security and safety where we're strengthened and comforted and find hope. Psalm 91 verse 4 says, His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering, sorry, I'll say that again. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. And Hebrews 6, verse 18 says, So now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what had already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. In the picture I um, described earlier of the warriors marching out from the throne room, it could give the impression that we're leaving that place of security behind us. In a sense, we are stepping out from a place of security, but the great thing is we take his presence with us when we do, and then we can share his comfort and hope to those around us, having received it ourselves. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4 says, we can bring this same comfort that God has poured out on us. The throne room is a place where we discover our true identity. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. When we spend time with Jesus, we discover our true identity and authority as children of the King. And this will give us confidence in what he can and wants to do through us. It will give us boldness to speak out with courage, like Peter and John did so that like them, Peter will see that we've been with Jesus. And the last thing about the throne room is, as we heard again about the picture of the warriors, the throne room is a place of commissioning, a place to be sent out from. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus said, "'You didn't chose me. "'I've chosen and commissioned you "'to go into the world to bear fruit.'" And your fruit will last, because whatever you ask of my Father, for my sake, he will give it to you. As God reveals the burdens of his heart to us in the throne room, we will bear lasting fruit, because we will be praying in his will, and releasing his power through our prayers. So having talked about what actually happens in God's throne room, and his um, being in his presence. I would like us to think about how we can experience his presence and how these truths can become a reality in our lives and maybe suggest one or two things that, that have helped me personally with this. We can experience the reality of God's presence through opening ourselves up to his Holy Spirit, inviting his Holy Spirit in and asking him to fill us. It's the Holy Spirit who can reveal God to us and give us understanding. In Ephesians 1, verse 17, Paul says, I always pray that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom 
and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Just think what an incredible privilege it is that God would share his secrets with us and that knowledge. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may remain with you forever. He lives with you constantly and will be in you. In the Amplified Bible, the Holy Spirit is also described as our counselor, helper, (coughs) intercessor, Advocate, (laughs) strengthener, and standby. We have the Spirit of God living within us. Just think about that. We've actually got the very essence of God, His very being, actually living inside us. I'd like you to cast your mind back to the story of the prodigal son. Um, If you want to read the whole story, which I'm not going to do, don't worry. (laughs) Um, The reference is Luke 15, verses 1 to 32. But I want you to think, particularly focus on the reunion of the father and the son when he comes back. I want you to picture the father's relief and excitement when he finally spots his son in the distance and runs to meet him. I want you to imagine him embracing him with total unconditional love and forgiveness as he welcomes his son back into the family. I discovered quite by chance on the internet that the verb that's used to describe the father falling on his son's neck when he embraced him is the same verb that was used to describe the Holy Spirit falling on the disciples at Pentecost. How beautiful is that? The Holy Spirit wants us to feel the embrace of our extravagantly loving father His arms are open wide whenever we approach him, wherever we've been or whatever we've done. Another key way to come into God's presence is by making time to get still before God, to just try and carve out um, some time alone with him, then asking him to speak to us. In John 10, verse 4, Jesus said, My sheep are familiar with my voice, or other versions say, my sheep hear my voice. The more time we spend learning to listen to him, the more we will become familiar with his voice and learn to recognize it. God wants to communicate with us, but we need to take the time to still our hearts and let him speak to us, to be still and know that he is God. For years, if I prayed at all, I used to just talk at God And it only recently dawned on me that if I want to hear his voice, I need to actually listen. I've also realized that I can ask him questions, but I need to give him the opportunity to answer. I'm naturally more of a talker than a listener, quite a fast one. And it's something I'm having to make a conscious effort with, both in my relationship with God and my human relationships. I long to hear God's voice more clearly, I just think it would be amazing to be able to walk so closely with God and hear him so clearly that it would just be a normal everyday occurrence to be able to share his heart with people by getting words of knowledge or encouragement for them. 
words that would open them up to him by causing them to realize how much he loves them, knows them intimately, and cares enough about them to reveal this to someone else so that they, in turn, can pray for them and support them. One thing I found really helpful in learning to hear God's voice is to write down what I feel he is saying to me. I keep a journal of everything I feel he says to me, whether this I feel he's spoken to me through the Bible, other people, books, or my thoughts, or occasionally pictures. It places value on what, is, what God is saying to me, and by keeping a record, it means that I can build up a picture over a period of time of what he's speaking to me about. And I find he tends to sort of speak to me in themes, maybe over several weeks or even months. It's also encouraging to look back on especially at times when I feel less connected to God. And it makes me more aware of answers to prayer that I may have forgotten that I even prayed. Another way to come into God's presence, and indeed one of the key ways in which he speaks to us, is by spending time reading and meditating on his word. Not just reading it or studying it, but really letting it sink in and change our thinking to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ live or grow in you richly, flooding you with wisdom. So there's that sense of the word really absorbing his word and letting it almost become part of us, really. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, God's word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, which is one of the reasons I quoted it so much in this talk. (laughs) However, Without the Holy Spirit to give us revelation and understanding, it will potentially just be a dry book of rules and information. We need the Holy Spirit, who inspired people to write it in the first place, to bring it to life for us. And we can ask him to do this. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one who, like me, sets you free, He will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I have told you. I'd like to read to you an excerpt from a book called Hearing God's Voice by Jamie Galloway. It illustrates this point quite well. There was a time in my life when I took some time off from ministry and started waiting at tables at a restaurant. He says, as soon as I arrived, I began to study the menu like a college student preparing for a final exam. I made up my mind that I wanted to be so familiar with each course that I would never have to rely on another waiter's answer. Soon I was able to communicate the menu as if it were the love of my life. Guests would be salivating as I walked them through each feature. But do you want to know a major key to my success as a waiter? I used to interview the chef each night before writing down the featured dish of the day. I went directly to the author because I wanted to hear from his mouth what it should sound like when I presented these dishes to the customer. Once I began to talk to the chef, it opened my eyes. Hearing the chef talk about his menu gave me a different understanding of the food than others who simply read the items off the page. And then he goes on to say, there is a profound truth in this story. 
When you know the menu and you have spoken to the chef, you can clearly communicate what he is trying to convey and you're also more inspired. Personally, I've found that as I've asked the Holy Spirit to speak to me through his word, the Bible has become much more real to me and more exciting. And another practical tip I've discovered is that it's worth trying out new translations of the Bible every so often, especially if you've been a Christian a long time. I think sometimes we can get over-familiar with certain passages and verses, and reading them in a different version can help us see things in a completely new light. I found the Amplified Bible, and more recently the Passion Translation, particularly helpful in this respect. And I've quoted these translations throughout this talk. Another way in which we can really come into God's presence um, is obviously through praise and worship. John 4 verse 23 says, Father is looking for people who will worship here in, in spirit and truth. And truth, we can also read reality. Apparently in the Greek, truth can be translated as reality. It's the Holy Spirit who will lead us into his reality and give us a revelation of who he is. God longs for our company, our love, our gratitude, our adoration, and he wants us to bask in his love. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, says, No eye has seen what God has prepared for those who love him. I think that if, if we had even a glimpse of what he has in store for us, that we would long to be in his presence, and our natural response would be to praise and worship him. Praise and worship refocuses our attention off ourselves and onto him, so it's also a powerful weapon against the enemy when he's trying to heap fear and anxiety onto us. Personally, I find listening to, uh, to anointed worship music really helpful in focusing my mind. Some of the lyrics are amazing. Um, I particularly like the song that we sang just before the start of this talk. That's one of my favourites at the moment. Um, and they can, the lyrics can be used really powerfully by God to draw you closer to him and reveal more of his heart. I try to have some praise or worship music in my day by singing in the shower and listening to worship CDs in the car. I know a lot of other people use Spotify for this. Another way, obviously, of coming into God's presence is through prayer and intercession. We can pour out our hearts to God and cast our cares on him knowing that he hears us and wants to meet with us and that our prayers do actually make a difference. In Revelations 4, it talks of golden bowls of sweet, fragrant incense being brought to God's throne. These are the prayers of God's people. This, to me, speaks of how precious and treasured our prayers are by God and the fact that our prayers are kept um, carefully and never forgotten. I've also been realizing recently that praying Bible verses out can be really powerful. And so when you pray out God's words, you can be confident you're praying in God's will. And this will also bring us into his presence. We can remind God of his promises and also declare our God-given identity. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, But if, if you live in life union with me, 
And if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask what you desire and it will be done. Jesus is giving us a key here to a powerful and effective prayer life. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't be pulled in different directions or be worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends understanding will make the answers known to you in Christ Jesus. Personally, I'm way off a life saturated with prayer, but I'm trying to get at least get into the habit of at least starting and ending every day with prayer. I tend to pray in the car when I can pray out loud when nobody's listening. And every so often I manage to fit in a quick arrow prayer during my day at work. I find speaking in tongues can also be a really helpful way to pray. One of the gifts of the Spirit, it's a sacred language between you and God. And I love the fact that the enemy hates it because he can't understand it. It's also a strategic language that can be used to release God's presence in our lives and those around us. This is a really helpful and powerful way of praying if we don't have the understanding, mind space, or perseverance to pray in English. When we're praying in tongues, we can trust God that our spirit is praying perfect prayers, even if we don't understand what we're saying. So all of these, all of these ways of coming into God's presence listening to God, reading his word, praise and worship and prayer can be done individually or corporately. Let's remember that the picture I shared at the beginning was of an army of warriors, not people being sent out individually. We're part of a body. We need the Holy Spirit and we need each other. Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. Doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, (coughs) eager to encourage one another and urge one another forward as we see that day dawning. It was as the disciples spent time praying together in one place that the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost. Let's cultivate that intimate relationship with God as individuals, but also together, and ask him to come by his Holy Spirit so that we can experience his presence and release his power in our church. So that when people come into our services, or even this building, they can discover it for themselves. I would like to suggest that our corporate times will be more effective and powerful if we have cultivated that intimacy with God as individuals as our first priority. We need to each discover God for ourselves so we're not relying on a second-hand experience of other people's relationship with God or relying on our worship leaders to bring us into God's presence. Intimacy with God experiencing his presence and releasing his power is for all of us, not just the elite few or for the leaders. God wants to stir us up with a hunger for his presence, but we need to actively stir ourselves. When we meet together on Sundays in our small groups or for corporate prayer or worship times, 
Let's come ready to get actively involved. Like Adam was saying last week, it's good if we can give as an act of participation. Maybe one way we can do this is by spending time with God beforehand, maybe even if it's just a, a few minutes, perhaps in the car when we're driving here, and asking him if there's anything he wants us to share or someone he wants us to pray for or to encourage, preparing our hearts to worship and to really listen to him and his word. And as Malcolm mentioned the other week, we need to be ready to give ourselves in worship. So to conclude, our first priority should be to develop our relationship and intimacy with God. And out of this will flow everything else. Love for those around us and his power to make a difference. Let's be people who walk so closely with Jesus that people others can see that we've been with him. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. But we need to put ourselves in a place today of actively receiving from him so that we can give freely to others. Let's be people that take his presence with us wherever we go and release the power of his love. Like that picture of the warriors marching out from the throne room, let's march out together in his authority and then stand back and watch in awe as God works in people's lives. Let's be a presence-driven people motivated by his love, knowing that he has gone before us and will be with us every step of the way. So I want to welcome his presence among us this morning so that we can take it out to those around us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And I'd like to lead into worship by reading a prayer from Ephesians. So I don't know whether the worship team want to... can't now. So this is from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favour. Sorry, could we, could I, sorry, I meant to say, could, could, could we sort of like say this as a prayer so if people can sort of prayerfully listen to this, sorry. I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ, and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen.
I'd like to just pray, if that's all right. Father God, I just ask that you would just come now by your Holy Spirit so that we really can experience your presence and receive from you. Help us to give ourselves to worship um, now and to welcome you here. We welcome you here, Lord Jesus. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit.